Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, 1 Thessalonians has so much in it that it's just so rich and so inspiring. In one verse I was reading in 1 Thessalonians 3, 8, Paul says, For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. You know, Bert Harper and I feel that way about the listeners of Exploring the Word. It is our joy to know that you are standing fast in the Lord. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here, Bert Harper, and you are listening to the American Family Radio Network, and we're embarking on another week of Exploring the Word. And Bert, isn't it an honor to do that? It is. And let me just share with you, we feel like we have some of the greatest listeners ever. And last Friday, Fire Away Friday, it was Pray Up Friday. I'm telling you what, we had people calling in and praying. If you have not heard that program, go on our podcast. Go to AFR.net and podcast will come up. Just go to Exploring the Word and look for Friday. Uh, day of prayer, and uh, Devin posts that real quickly right after the program. But uh, I had so many comments uh, to from people uh, about how much they enjoyed all the people who called in and prayed. We were praying for, especially the believers in Afghanistan, and uh, we're getting word, Alex. I don't know if you've gotten that or not, but there's quite a bit of of horrible things happening over there to those who are are followers of Jesus Christ. So yesterday, Sunday, uh, Dr. Franklin Graham sent out a call to churches all over America to be praying for them. And I know where I was at First Baptist Baldwin, we took time to do that. So if you didn't pray Sunday, pray today. Pray for those believers. They were, I got one, Alex, where they were just praising the Lord. Uh, They were on some way connected to a, a group of believers who were gathered and that's when the enemy came in, and they could hear what was taking place. And But they were mm. praising the Lord, That sort of like what it says in Acts chapter 5, after they arrested Peter and the rest of them, they went yes. away praising God that they were allowed to suffer for his sake. Isn't so, that something? Uh, it is. So pray for those believers in Afghanistan. There is so much to pray about around the world, uh, exactly. And also the increasing secularism here in America. And so what we need is a great move of God's Holy Spirit. And the good news is every one of us can be used to that end. Uh, and we we pray, and it, it matters. It, we witness, we share the gospel, and it really does count for eternity. And doing all the things that Paul prayed of the, the Christians in Thessalonica, that they would stand for the truth and stand fast in the Lord— and he mentions there's affliction and distress, but that's just part of the Christian life. And uh, so, Bert, let, let's pick it up today. Uh, do you want to read our scripture and get us going? Yes, starting verse 6. Now, we went over verse 5, uh, chapter, uh, I should say, 4 verses 1 through 5. And, and it's talking about us being right with God. We really talked about our sanctification. So in verse 6, it says that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. Now listen to this next verse. For God did not call us to uncleanliness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, 
but God who has also given us of his Holy Spirit. Alex, the Holy Spirit living in our lives, obeying him leads to holiness. It does not lead to uncleanliness. In other words, the Holy Spirit in my life, he comes in and helps me to do what I should do. As someone said, to make it rhyme, not to do what I want, but to do what I ought. And and that's Amen. the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to help us to walk in the Spirit, not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, that, that's right. And, you know, back there in verse 5, it talked about the lust. Of, I love the way the old King James renders it, the lust of concupiscence. That's a word we don't use, but it's talking about passionate lust like pagans who do know not who do not know God, having no self-control whatsoever. And so we are to be spirit-controlled, not flesh-controlled. Uh, little warning there, you mentioned in verse 6, the Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we've told you and warned you before. And we uh, remember, you know, earlier it talked about this is the will of God. Uh, first, uh, verse 5 says that uh, of chapter 3, that is, that we're to be sanctified. This is the will of God, that we're to be led by the Holy Spirit. Verse 9 of of chapter 4, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you to. Bert, let me compare that a little bit with the way the, the King James renders it, uh, and that you study to be quiet and to do your own business, to work with your own hands. Now, here's my point. Uh, love all the brethren, live a quiet, self-controlled life, and mind your own business. I mean, really, Amen. that that would um, make for a pretty good world. It would make for a pretty stable church environment, uh, wouldn't it? You are have that right. Notice who he's talking to. He says, but we urge you, brethren. In other words, the brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, you know, this is what should be your desire. Uh, it, you were taught of God to love one another. They'll know yeah. you're my disciples because you love one another. That's what God's Word says. And he says, I want you to continue in that. Uh, they picked that up, and sounds like they were caring for one another. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren. Alex, uh, we need mm-hmm. to treat each other right in, in the family of God. We need to pray for one another, help one another, strengthen one another. And let me just say, mind their own business with one another. Uh, I hate to say this, but have you ever heard prayer requests come into a gossip session? Oh, not really. Uh, <laughs> I've I've heard uh, a prayer session digress into a goss- <laughs> gossip. That's you know? okay. You expressed it much better than I. But uh, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily know how to pray specifically for someone. You just know that you need to take them to the Lord and say, Lord, help Bert Harper, help Devin Patrick, help Alex McFarlane. Whatever it is, we may not know the details, but guess who does know the details? The God God. in whom we're praying to help them. Well, on that note, let me 
pry and meddle just a little bit. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, well, you know, I love to travel and preach, and God's allowed me to be in a lot of churches everywhere. And, and Angie and I, we go to Sunday school. I just, I believe in Sunday school. So when we show up, and literally hundreds of times, we'll get up at the hotel or wherever we are, and, you know, maybe I'm supposed to be there to preach at 11 a.m., but we go at 945 because I want to be in Sunday school. And a lot of times, not all, but a lot of times I've I've slipped into a Sunday school class and they begin to take prayer requests. And then for the next 35, 45 minutes, it really is a sanctified gossip session and they never do get around to the Bible. And my point being, I hope you do sincerely take prayer requests, but, but set a time limit on it and make sure that it, in your Sunday school a.k.a. small group or Bible study, make sure that it really is Bible study and don't use the prayer request time to really throw fuel on the rumor mill. Amen. Let me reverse that now. And, and if I'll you have now. prayer. Well, no, that's awesome. If you have prayer meeting, have prayer meeting. Now, that doesn't mean Amen. you don't open your word, uh, the God, the word of God, but it does mean, hey, let's let's pray and seek the Lord. And so let's let's live up to our names. You know, yeah, amen. if it's Bible study, what do we? What's our purpose, Alex? Bible to study, study the Bible, and to make Him glorified. If it's prayer amen. request, the main issue we want to pray to glorify Him. Worship service. So, so live up, live up to the titles by which you're meeting. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And let, let's unpack. You know, verse eleven is so wonderful, and it, it says. In verse 11, um, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Now, that in itself, we could unpack a lot, but it says you should, and King James, NIV, literally the translations render it so it says you should mind your own business and work with your hands. Now, when I was growing up, my dear sister Caroline, who I love so much, it was we would smart off at each other, and we would say, mind your own business. But really, in the original language, what it says is, um, attend to the work of your hands with your own hands. That's what the original Greek is saying here. Now, I want to unpack this because there are a number of verses, like Deuteronomy uh, 30, verses 9 and 10, says that God will bless you in all the work of your hands. Now, in the Bible, it says that we are the work of God's hands. But you know what's such a blessing is that God gives you an assignment. And so, quote-unquote, the work of your hands are the things that God has assigned you to do. Now, what 1 Thessalonians 4.11 is warning against, and the way the language renders it is, when you're getting in other people's business or being the church gossip, or, or just, you know, really neglecting the primary things, prayer, Bible study, your Christian walk, evangelism, those are the primary things, but we digress into other things. And uh, every church I've been in, somebody's tried to pull me aside and, you know, bend my ear over this or that. And I'll always say, well, let's go talk to him. Really? That person is so, <laughs> hey, let's go talk to him. And Everybody, they're like, no, 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 uh, no. That, yeah. But here's the thing. Um, we are to attend, for one thing, and Bert, I'm going to throw it to you, but listen. We are to know what our purpose is. The work of your hands 
In other words, that thing that the Lord has assigned for you to do, and you've got spiritual gifts and abilities, and you have an opportunity to serve, you need to know what the work of your hands is. And then stay with the the thing the good Lord has assigned for you to do. Amen. And whatever your hand find to do, do it with all your might. Do what God has assigned you to do. Notice what he ends that with, as we commanded you. Now, Paul had, wasn't able to stay in Thessalonica a real long time. But I noticed this. He Was taught three these, weeks, maybe? Yeah, three weeks at least, at, at, and maybe some more, but at least three weeks in the synagogue. And then he was pulled out, and he wasn't long till I had to leave after that. So it was three weeks at the minimum, maybe a little more. But he taught this. These are the things he taught. They were so important that he taught them early, and then he writes to remind them of this. And so, Alex, uh, I think we need to take note. I really do believe we need to take note that we increase more and more for our love for one another. And then, guess what? When we do that, we'll probably mind our own business. If we'll yes. do that, that probably means I'm going to work with my hands, the, the assignment God's given me to work with Amen. my hands. And it also means that I'm going to follow the Lord. Notice verse uh, uh, 12 as we get ready to close out this segment, that you may walk properly. Now, notice what it says. A quiet life is a proper life. Uh, keeping your own stuff, your own business, not in other people's business, is the proper life. The working with your own hands is the proper toward God. That these who are outside, that you may lack nothing. In other words, they're going to hear you when you start talking about your brother in Christ. They're going to say, who in the world? What are you doing talking about them when you're they're your brother in Christ? Let that not be a part of your life. Stay with Christ. Mind your own business. Work with your own hands at what God has given you to do. We'll be back with more right after the break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Carol Perez, acting under Secretary of State for Operations at the Department of State. Her responsibilities include people, resources, budget, facilities, technology, and more. 1 Corinthians 3.8 reminds us of the importance of responsibility. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Carol Perez in her role at the State Department. We ask this. In Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. If we call Jesus our King, Dr. Tony Evans says we need to get serious about obeying Him. If not, well, he's got a story from his childhood that illustrates what happens. We'll hear about a hard lesson his brother learned as we spend two minutes with Tony. He was the Maryland State Wrestling Champion. And when he was getting all this notoriety throughout the state for that and for playing football, he got the big head. And I don't remember what it was, but my father asked him to do something. And he said no. To which my father said, well, well, no, let me clarify. If you're going to stay here, you're going to do that. So my brother, all big and bad, just walked out of the house. 
Now, in his anger, he forgot a couple of things. Number one, he forgot he ain't had no job. He forgot he ain't had no money. And he forgot it was 15 degrees outside because it was in the dead of winter. About an hour later, I heard the doorbell ring. He rang the doorbell, apologized and asked for permission to come back home because it dawned on him, even though he didn't like daddy's request, it's better to be with daddy with something you don't like than to be away from daddy doing your own thing. See, a lot of us say, God, I don't like what you're saying. But God said, but this is what I'm saying. But I don't like it and I'm gonna go the way of the world. God says, I'm not gonna stop you. But when it gets hot enough, cold enough, broke enough, trouble enough, I'm gonna hear the doorbell ring. Check out the latest edition of our half hour daily program and sign up for Dr. Evans' free weekly email devotional when you visit TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1.3 American Family Radio Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you. And, you know, have you ever heard, it's not wrong to be ignorant, but it's bad to remain that way. Well, <laughs> that introduces us to chapter 4, verse 13. But, Alex, before I read that, there's a few things that we find in the scriptures that God says do not be ignorant of. And uh, yes, one of them is yes. the second coming. He's coming back. Another one is don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. You know, mm-hmm. uh, these always get my attention. When I say don't be ignorant, that means I need to really uh, make a big effort to to know exactly. So I want to read this in the, uh, verse just just. Uh, 12, 13, and 14, and then we'll go to the rest. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That's another way of saying those who have passed on, those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Now, the key word is he will bring with him. Alex, mm. sounds like there's a promise there, right? Well, really, and listen, if if he had to bring them with him, there had to be a, a gathering time prior sure to that, did. wouldn't he? You got that right. Now, one more thing, and I want you to take it away, as, as say anything you want. Uh, notice, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. He didn't say the leaders. He didn't say a special group of prophets. He didn't say it's just a select group of super spiritual saints. He says, brethren, that's inclusive. We are all to know that Jesus Christ is coming back, and we need to be ready. Well, you know, what's what's really interesting, folks, uh, this is, of course, a very, very famous verse. I would not I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even those who have no hope. So uh, those who are asleep, that's really a euphemism for those that have died. You know, what about 
where is my loved one? And I think people want to know that. And obviously, if if somebody's a born-again Christian, you know, we, we know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we don't sorrow like lost people. Who who are, quote, those who have no hope? The, the unsaved. It's like, and we've talked about this many times, but look, we've all experienced bereavements. Um, it's been said that uh, death stops at everybody's doorstep eventually. But here's the thing. Look where it says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. There's a little bit of a wordplay here, because the word ignorant in the original language is the word agnostic, uninformed. But also, you know, an agnostic says, well, they don't know if there's a God or not. But the, the very next word is brethren. Now, brethren, that means believers. So we're not agnostics. We're brethren. We're not uninformed. We have the revelation of God. And what is that revelation? That I will see my loved one again if they're saved and I'm saved. And there's going to be this gathering time where the return of Christ will bring us with him. So th- there's so much here, just in every verse, isn't it, Bert? It is. And the last part of that verse, as those who have no hope, let's let's reverse that around. Since we have hope, uh, you know, when people say, you know, if their loved one was uh, saved and they died, we a wrong phrase is we've lost them. No, I hadn't lost them. I know where they are. Now, I know I'm playing on the words, but we need to express even uh, in our grief and in our sorrow, we as brethren, as followers of Christ, need to express hope, you know? And yes. and, and hope does a lot. I know faith, hope, and love, First Corinthians 13 but right in the middle of that great faith and that great love is what? A great hope. And it's mm-hmm. based upon Jesus Christ. It's not based upon me. It's based upon what Christ has done. And so we're not to sorrow or grieve as others who have no hope. For if we believe, and that underline the word if, and have you been saved? If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus Sounds like a reunion, Alex. Amen, amen. Well, it is a reunion uh, for for real. Uh, it's a great reunion. And so it says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus. Okay, that goes back to verse 13. Sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. It's just amazing here. Those who fell asleep in Jesus will come back. And remember, it says he returns with 10,000 times 10,000 of his saints, this innumerable army of the redeemed. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. This is verse 15. Now it says, those who are alive who are left under the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have already died. Now, much has been said. Let me just throw this in here, Bird, and you feel free to correct anything I might say wrong. Uh, Regarding the return of Christ and the end of the world, there are different views. I mean, the point of orthodoxy is that Christ is coming back. Jesus will return, and all the redeemed will be with Christ, and the evil, fallen world systems under the control of Satan and those who reject the Lord will be lost. 
Uh, this is one of the classic passages that's known as the rapture. Now, there's a Latin word, uh, rapio, which means to catch away, to snatch away. And there are some believers that, um, some Christians that don't believe in the rapture. I do. I do think that all of the eschatological passages, the end times passages, okay, the rapture, the catching away of the bride of Christ, the seven-year tribulation, the battle of Armageddon, the return, uh, millennium, new heavens, new earth, it seems to make sense. But, Bert, I, I don't fall out with those who don't see it that way. Some think there's just going to be the return and Armageddon, but I, I can see the catching away in the clouds, which is also referenced in other places like 1 Corinthians 15, um, being caught up together with them in the clouds, and 1 Thessalonians 4, we'll get more into this. I could definitely see the rapture in this passage, Bert. I agree with you, and notice how he starts this. This is important. We read it, but we didn't comment. I want to just make a small comment. He says, I say this to you by the word of the Lord. This was taught to Paul somewhere. Now, again, uh, those years in Arabia that he spent there in the desert, he was caught up into the third heaven, you know. We don't know exactly when he received this. This is by the word of the Lord, Alex. And mm -hmm. uh, in other words, this is what God has shown me. Uh, and, and then it talks about, for the Lord himself would descend underline the word himself it's it's not the holy spirit coming although that was good that's not the second coming of the lord uh it's the you know some great things has happened it is he's coming back visibly remember what it said in the book of acts as you have seen him depart you will also be like when he comes back they could see him he went up in the cloud so he's going to come in the clouds and it's going to be him coming visibly. Now, again, I see the rapture and then the second coming of the Lord to the earth. And I agree with you. This seems to be the gathering up because it says the dead in Christ shall rise first, rise, and then those of us that remain will be, what, joined together with them and caught up in the air to be with the Lord forever. So, Alex, I'll agree with you. Let me give this, but those that don't believe that, they're still our brothers in Christ. But for those of us who are premillennial, just let me share this with you. Uh, get the big picture before you start trying to find every little detail in the, uh, in the eschatological <laughs> in the future, Alex. You know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, and that's what you've just done. What you did, the rapture, the return of Christ, you know, the millennial reign the army battle, you know, all of those things, uh, uh, the battle of Armageddon, the millennial reign, the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, I found this out, This, and you may disagree, but when you get into the real detailed stuff, a lot more of it seems to be speculation than it does guarantee. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, you know, let me just say this. There's um, a great song that I love. Low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior. He tore the bars away. And there's a line that says, Death cannot hold its prey, Jesus my Savior. Okay, Christ rose from the grave, and he ascended back to heaven. All right, in a way, this world is one big grave. You know it? 
And and let me just say this in terms of um, the the rapture, and and I do think textually all all the support we really need for the rapture is the text of Scripture, and I, I think we see this. Uh, it says. After that, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds. Well, caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be with the Lord forever. Therefore, comfort one another with these words or encourage one another. Beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful sight that a blast of a trumpet and we're caught up to be with the Lord. And Bert, somehow or another, we, we get that glorified body. I mean, one moment. Let's say you've got a, a bad backache and you're at a point in life where you are stooped over maybe and you're walking along and suddenly you realize, and all this happens in a split second, your back doesn't hurt and suddenly you're in a brand new body and you're with Christ in the air. All right, in a way, just as Christ, the Savior, rose from the grave, that crucified beaten, bloodied body suddenly is glorified, and the the stone is rolled away, and he is risen. Suddenly, we're going to come out of this grave called planet Earth, and our, our dying, decaying body is glorified. And in a way, I see the rapture, our resurrection from this world, being almost a parallel to our Lord's resurrection from the grave. But. Yeah, I can see that. That's a good parallel, Alex. It really is. Just one or two more things I want to say about it, and you may have more. But notice the three things accompanying his return, his descent from heaven, a shout, the voice, and the trumpet. Now, mm. again, I, every one of those is outward, you know, expressed. Uh, who will hear the shout? You know, my sheep. And then who will hear the voice? My voice. My sheep hear my voice. Who will hear the trumpet? You know, uh, the dead in Christ will rise first, like you said. And notice the the latter part in, in the latter part of verse 17. And we shall always be with the Lord. Now, honestly, that is the greatest comfort, in my opinion, in this whole text of 13 through 18. The yes. greatest text is, we shall always be with the Lord. We will be with him wherever. If he's in the clouds, guess what? We're with him. If he's in heaven on his throne, we're going to be up there with him. If he comes back and sets up a new heaven and a new earth, we will be with him. That is the joy. You remember what it says in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there yeah, you, may, you be. may be also. The whole idea of everything, and, and take this, know it, we're going to be with him. And that's the secret. And we're asking today, do you have that assurance? Has there been a time in your life when Jesus Christ became Lord of your life? You know that he died on the cross. You know that he rose again. You may know all that. But has there been a time where you established that relationship with the risen Lord by saying, oh, Lord, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, there's nothing I can bring that would make me worthy of salvation? What you did on the cross paid the price. I receive that as I surrender my life to you. I turn from my way. I turn to your way, asking you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. 
I pray that mm. you'd do that right now. I really do. You don't need to miss it. You don't need to take a chance. You say, well, this is Monday. I'm going to wait to Sunday. Hey, Alex, oh, it's, my word. it's no time to wait. If God's calling you, you better respond immediately, shouldn't you? Absolutely. I mean, the, you don't have tomorrow, but you've got right now this moment. And so the Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Bert, you know, you and I have a book coming out September 7. I'm, I just praise God for this. The top 100 questions from the first 10 years of exploring the word. And I want to encourage you to get that book and you'll be able to not only get that book, but support AFA during share uh, but one of the questions, and folks, this is this is where the Word of God is such an encouragement to us. People have asked the question, um, how do we know there'll never be another fall? And what if we're in eternity for years and years, but then, you know, there was uh, Lucifer and the angels and then Adam and Eve. How do we know? What if 10,000 years from now there's another whole cycle of fall, sin, you know, lostness? Look at verse 17. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Now, a lot of scriptures we could give, but don't you worry. You're a born-again believer. You leave this world. You're in Christ. You're in heaven with Christ. There's never going to be another catastrophe. Um, when we're in heaven, that's a permanent state with our Savior forever. And we're to comfort one another. If it was not a promise, there would be no comfort there. There would be a challenge saying, now, now you got to keep it up. you got to stay with it. No, comfort one of these words. I'm going to be with you. If you receive me, I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am, there you'll be also with me. I pray that you have that assurance and ask God to be Lord of your life. He will change your life. He'll give you a peace that passes understanding in a world gone mad. You can mm. still trust Christ. Alex, we're going to take phone calls in the next segment. That number, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. A lot of people don't like to think about heaven as a place of work. But eternal life is exactly that, but it's different because it's work that is removed from the curse of the fall of Eden. Heavenly Works, an article by Jordan Shambly. This is why we were created, and this is part of being made in the image of God. God is a working God, and we were created to do His work. To read this article and more, visit EngageMagazine.net. On the next Today's Issues. We appreciate hearing from you. You can send us an email at comments at AFR.net. I pastor a small church, so I have to have a full-time job on the side. Uh, when I try to feed the flock, y'all feed me, and I thank God for y'all. If you want to uh, watch the show live, you can go to Facebook or YouTube. Just type in Today's Issues, and you can also access the stories that we talk about. Don't miss the next Today's Issues. Weekday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 Central on American Family Radio. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When my wife and I first started having children, we discouraged our family members from speaking to them in baby talk. You know, the gaga goo goo stuff. The reason was simple. We wanted our children to speak English well. Baby talk would hinder that development. The same principle applies to spiritual development. If we want our children to be wise disciples of our Lord, we should ask ourselves how much of their time is spent investing 
in spiritual maturity. Protracted time in the company of spiritual baby talkers will inevitably cause harm. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Psalm 121 verse 3 says this, He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. My family laughs about all the places where I fall asleep. I fall asleep at nearly every movie I watch. I've been to Broadway musicals where I paid a lot of money to fall asleep. I'd probably fall asleep in church, except I'm the preacher. But even when we're wide awake, we can't be watchful enough to fully protect our families. No matter how strong you are, no matter what type of security system you invest in, you will never be able to surround those you love and perfectly protect them. But God can. He never sleeps. He is your rock and your refuge 24-7. You can trust Him with your family. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. There is Oh, that is great music, Mercy and Healing Through Jesus Christ. This is Exploring the Word with Alex McFarland and Bert Harper, our favorite part of the program when we get to open up the phones and speak with you all. And the number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840, with your calls and Bible questions. And again, folks, we are honored to hear from you, and we thank you for participating in Exploring the Word. We certainly do. Looks like all the lines right now are filled, so if we can get to that many, we're going to get to your call today if you're listening. And Marty has set you up, and we will take your question. The first question comes from Texas. Welcome, Mark. Hello. Hello. Um, appreciate getting to ask you all this. So as you were just talking about ever being with the Lord, that's so encouraging. That was, was a really good thought. It sparked a couple of questions. One, they're related. The first one is, uh, you know, the new millennium that's talked about there at the very end of Revelation. Is that the only place that that's really referred to in the in the Word? Is it in the Old Testament prophecies, or, or is it anywhere else? Uh, well, it's uh, not necessarily called that thousand years, but as you see some of those prophecies, Alex, uh, you know it's referring to a time, quote, and, and I'm just using the word utopia, and I'm using it loosely, of of just peace on earth, uh, it's certainly referred to, if not identified as a thousand years, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And you know what? I, I do think Old and New Testaments completely, completely agree. But let me give you some Old Testament scriptures that seem to indicate this time of, of peace on earth. And I know it's in, in Revelation, uh, in Revelation 22, you know, it talks about the leaves of the tree for, for the healing of the nations. But here's the thing, Daniel 
talks about when the Savior of men will set up his kingdom. Uh, now, Revelation 20, 1 through 3, talks about Satan being bound for a thousand years. But after the, the curse is removed, Genesis 3, 17 and 18, nature will cooperate with man again. Zechariah 8.12 seems to indicate that there'll be no more earthquake, tornadoes, or floods, and uh, you know the, the world will be more stable and productive again. So here are just some of the things that, um, from the Old Testament, all right, the, the temple that is described in Ezekiel 40 through Ezekiel 48 seems to correspond with um, Christ and his bride in Revelation 7. 15. So um, there's nothing in the Old Testament that says, you know, millennium. But I think you look at these things, they all, through Daniel 7, Isaiah 49, um, the Zechariah passage I mentioned, they seem to point to a time after the fallen world is restored and the government is set up uh, and Someone representing God rules on the throne of David, and his kingdom will have no end. And that that does seem to indicate that the Old Testament writers, they look toward that time after the fall, a time of worldwide restoration and global reign of God's Messiah. And let me say the greatest reign you have in the Old Testament is Solomon. As strong and as big and as good as it was, the words that the, uh, these prophets that Alex has referred to calls about uh, Solomon's reign doesn't even compare to what that will be. So it, yeah. I, I, with all my heart, it's a future, future reign. I think it is a thousand years. Hey, Mark, thank you for that question. And we got to get to others that have questions, and we want to go to Virginia and talk to Ruth. Ruth, welcome. Thank you both. I've called before, and thank you for taking my call. I think it's a miracle for me in a way that two days ago my father died. And I'm I'm heartbroken, of course, and I'll be going to the funeral and the the first thing I thought of was I need to call into the show on Monday and ask mm-hmm. for comforting verses. And I couldn't believe everything was answered in your show today. My father was a very godly man, and it's it's done a lot for me. It's amazing that that worked out. Mm. And I, because... For the first time in my life, when he passed away, I went, what if there's not a heaven? What if Mm. I never see him again? And I can't believe I even had those thoughts. I I just can't believe it. And your message today was so fantastic. Bless you. All perfect. And the only thing I ask you to pray for me is, that I can calm down. <laughs> I will do that. I want to tell this story, Ruth. Bless Listen, you, sister. I have. I had a great pastor friend. He. We were in a prayer group together. It was in my early years of ministry in Corinth, Mississippi, and there was a group of us, about 10 pastors. We'd get together. We would pray. We would hold each other accountable. And uh, this pastor's dad died. 
And he said, I was standing at the grave, and that's when a crisis of faith came upon me. Do I believe what I've been preaching and teaching all these years? And right there, that crisis of faith, and he went to the Word of God, and he said, it is true. Ruth, it is true. And yes, heaven is real. To be with the Lord is real. And by faith and through grace, we can know him. Alex, let's do just pray for Ruth real quickly. Would you do that? Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you that this radio show uh, to a degree has ministered to her today. And Lord, we are all encouraged by the promises of your word. And Lord, I just pray for comfort. Uh, Lord, the bereavement of her father, Lord, that's just such a big blow to anybody, of course. But Lord, let her have joy knowing that there is a reunion day. Heaven is more real than this earth. And Lord, your promises, we can just pillow our head and sleep in joy and stability, knowing that your promises are absolutely true. So bless Ruth and all like her that are struggling right now. And Lord, we just praise you. We praise you for all that we have in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. Let's go to Texas and talk to Patrick. Patrick, welcome. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you, brothers. And that was really getting mm. me choked up. I lost my dad in 2003 and just missed my daddy. But uh, I hear uh, that. I just, uh, yes, sir. Um, I, uh, my neighbor, me and him have been talking about this, uh, this shot that they're uh, potentially going to force, force on us here. And uh, I, he thinks me and him, him had a long conversation and he brought up Romans chapter 13 on me. And, uh, you know, and I said to him, you know, maybe, and this is the question, am I, am I taking Romans chapter 13 out of context or is he, I said to him when he quoted, well, he didn't even quote Romans 13. He just said, he just shot it at me. Romans 13, we got to do what the government says. And I said, well, sir, I, uh, I believe that in America, you know, the Lord Jesus said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar. Well, who is, and I asked him, who is Caesar in America? It's supposed to be we the people. And uh, we're the, we are the governed, but, you know, our, gov- our government is, uh, rules us with the consent of the governed. And so when I read Romans chapter 13, and it, you know how it says that uh, governments are set up by God, well, I mean, does that also mean that when it's an ungodly government, such as, you know, when Hitler took over, should, should the Jews have, have said, well, Romans 13, we should, we should follow uh, the government. They're, they're the ones over us right now. So, and also just in context of, you know, I maybe uh, have to quit my job or take this shot, which I don't even believe yeah. is a vaccine. But I just hear you guys' thoughts about okay. that. Yeah, thank you, Patrick. Uh, the Food and Drug Administration today, they gave the sanction to one of the shots, and the reports were saying a lot of, a lot of businesses, government, uh, they're going to require those regardless. We're looking at that. Alex, I believe that we're to obey as much as possible. I'm putting that caveat on it. But let me see. In the book of Acts, they told Peter and John, don't you preach any more in this name. 
And they said, we can't help. We can't obey you. We can't help but speak of the things we've seen and heard. There's a law against, you know, breaking and entering, you know, into a house. But when a fire is, when a fire is going on in that house, uh, you break that door down and you save a life, you've become a hero, you know. Uh, there's got to be some qualifications in that. Does is that right? Yeah, and and listen, I'm a big proponent of Romans thirteen one through seven about the the point of law and obeying the authorities. But I think what what most Christian ethicists would say is that um, civil civil disobedience can be justified in some cases. Now, civil disobedience is justified on the part of a Christian if it uh, moves you to perform some moral duty or if it moves you to prevent something that is immoral. For instance, the house is burning, children are trapped inside. Ordinarily, it's against the law to break into somebody's house. But if the the greater moral good is you could save a life because life is hanging in the balance, you knock the door in and save the children. Now, when the moral impetus is to care for human life, that includes caring for your own human life. Ordinarily, it would be wrong to physically assault somebody, but you have the right, this is what, of all strata, nations and individuals are given the right to self-defense. And now, I'm not going to say yay or nay on the vaccine for you because I honestly don't know. I'm researching like crazy. But, Bert, if, if a person is under the conviction and they're making a health care decision for themselves, um, the, the real question is, I mean, regardless of the COVID vaccine or a tetanus shot or whatever, one of the questions for this nation, the United States, is, do human beings have the right to make their own decisions regarding their own personal health care? So that's what scares me. Yes. Um, is that we forfeit the right to make a decision about our own body. Now, I understand you might not can make a decision about your neighbor's body, but what could be more personal than your own body? Yeah. Um, look, in Auschwitz, the Jewish people, they didn't have the right to refuse the tattoo and the numbering um, because they, they became less than humans. They were the property of the Third Reich who could do what they wanted. Um, this is what's so frightening, and this is why 25, 30 years ago, Chuck Colson, James Dobson, Don Wildman, uh, Phyllis Schlafly, James Kennedy, some very brilliant, forethinking people were telling us that we needed to elect moral leaders. Um, so this is a time to pray, isn't it, Bert? It is a time to pray, and uh, we hope that gives you some guidelines. That's all Alex and I are trying to do. You pray, you seek the Lord, and uh, again, as Alex said, more information. There's so much unknown that that what I think that's what makes this so difficult, and you find Christians on either side of it, those that think, yes, you better hurry and get it, or those that say no, and uh, make up your own mind. Alex, uh, great answer, and I appreciate it. I, next, I'm going to go to Kentucky and talk to Jake. Jake, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing this? Doing well, doing well. Afternoon. 
Uh, I was just wondering if I know there's a, I know there's when you study the psalm there's a there's a hundred and fifty of them, but I was wondering if 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 either of y'all had a had a favorite psalm. <laughs> Woo. Oh. Favorite. Alex, he said singular. Did I understand that without a plural yeah. on it? That's tough, uh, isn't it? <laughs> for for me, oh, I, I mean, I love them all. I love Psalm 1. I love Psalm 22. I love Psalm 23. I love so many, but I love Psalm 119, which is within the Word of God. It's a tribute to the Word of God. And, and it I, is I'll, a literature <laughs> literary genius. Marvel. It is. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, Psalm 119, folks, is a literary marvel. But you know, I love Psalm 37. Uh commit your way to the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart, you know. That thank you for blessing us with that wonderful question. <laughs> okay. How about you, Brother Okay, Bert? I I agree with the ones Psalm 37 is one of my verses that I use to discern the will of God. Verse 4, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. My issue is not the desires of my heart. The issue is for me to delight in him. Uh, it means to find everything in him. And then I love being what Jan and I do with the family, Psalm 127. The first time I ever preached concerning the family, it was from Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Let mm. the Lord build your life. Let him build your home. Uh, let him build this nation. I think that's one reason we're still standing. Uh, our founding fathers had enough sense to know that. What was it Ben Franklin said about a nation rising without his aid? It, it wasn't yeah. going to happen, was it? If a sparrow can't fall to the ground without God's knowledge, how could a nation be risen up without his aid? And so God birthed us, and we sure still need God to this very day. We do. Jake, thank you. Hey, Lisa, James, we'd love to get to your calls. We're going to try to get to as many as we can this week, so tune in tomorrow. We're going to start 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's an awesome, awesome chapter. You don't want to miss it as we share from God's Word. Alex, looking forward to tomorrow. I know you are as well. Exactly. Folks, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. Read on ahead for the conclusion of uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, and we'll convene again tomorrow on Exploring the Word. May God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.